Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sydney Coach Replay Show. I don't know about y'all, but one of my favorite things about this show is this show means it is Friday. Anybody else needing the weekend this weekend? I know I definitely do. Um, and I hope you all are having a wonderful Friday. Maybe you're getting a long weekend or maybe you had a four day week this week, but we're happy that you're here today. I have on the show with me again, Kathy Renfrew. She is our resident science coach and she is a, an amazing coach at that. She's one of our own virtual coaches here at Sydney on our virtual coaching team. And in addition to coaching for Sydney these days, Kathy is a little bit of a crazy lady. She's got a lot going on. She's grandmother to three boys from 14 months, 18 months, and a five-year-old. And then also an education professional learning provider and coach. Um, and last but not least, especially for today's topic, she's a huge, adv huge advocate for elementary science. I would speak it, yell it from the rooftop. Yeah, I know. It's I know. So important. It is. And, and you and I have talked a lot about that. And uh, I've got a lot of great ideas from you on just how I'm supporting my own online learners and, and integrating science into our, they have, they have their online curriculum, but, um, getting science into their daily lives a little bit more. Um, and you were a former, your elementary teacher and a science assessment coordinator, science coach. And so you've definitely got the background. You stay in touch with the sciences by continually contributing to science education community, which is so great. And you always have so many wonderful resources. So <laughs> We are excited to have you on today. Well, today. thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we really wanted to come on. Kathy and I were talking about, we're, again, both advocates for science. Science, teaching science. I taught a fifth grade science lab. I was the lab teacher. It's really like a long-term sub-position that I took when I was in college, and it's what hooked me on teaching. I loved that position. I felt like Bill Nye the Science Guy and Mrs. Frizzle all wrapped into one. I uh, really loved seeing the spark and excitement when students started to take these ideas that they had read about in their science books and had conversation in their class with their homeroom teacher and got to make them happen right in front of their eyes. That phenomena, which you talked about last time when we were uh, together. So we're going to talk about the state of elementary science here in 2020, specifically some ways that we can make time for science. Uh, and I know you're going to share a little bit about that, uh, Kathy. Well, yeah. So the, the big thing for me um, is it's so very important for every child to have the opportunity to have good quality science instruction. Um, it's, it's an equity issue. Um, and I think we all need to remember that it's every child's right, not a privilege to have science. And it shouldn't be determined by where you live or what resources your community has, um, whatever. We have to find a way to do things differently. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to think about ways. Uh, well, here I am. This is me in so many of my roles. But... Um, what I was saying was I'm always trying to think about ways um, that we can, I can help teachers and coaches um, find time for science in a very busy day. I think one thing we haven't done a good job at is actually 
demonstrating and modeling how you can do science that is supporting literacy and how literacy and literacy is a necessary um, part of science. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, yeah, it's definitely as, and, and I know I've had conversations with many online teachers about this, you know, they, they feel definitely the push and the urgency around the reading and writing and math curriculum, and making sure that they're, of course, hitting that at the rigor that they always are, because those are the primarily the tested subjects. Um, and also finding time for the social studies and the sciences and the electives and, and everybody's, we talked about this before, like they find trying to find this balance, doing this balancing act um, among many things, but including in their lesson well, design and finding space for it. You know, um, I also think again, that we haven't done a good job. We're, we're saying regularly, you know, we are use, we use literacy all the time in science. We speak it, we read it, we write it, but I don't think we've done a good job at supporting, at showing how science supports literacy development. Mm -hmm. So it's that turnaround, which is really important. Right. And if we flip it over, right? Yeah, it's, we don't. And instead we don't, of saying, yeah, we don't balance it. It's both, and it should be both at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. So I know you've got some some strategies for science integration to share with our. Yeah. And we've got some, you put some, together some visuals. Now I'm sharing from a slide deck that Kathy um, created for today's show and it's included. I want to just let everybody know this is included in the notes and takeaways for today's episode, which we'll, we'll put a link in the um, comments and show you how you can find these. Um, so if you want to uh, use some of these strategies and access some of these things. So we'll start with this one, uh, Kathy. So a little bit more about why it's just that it, that integral part of a learning experience for a student in their school day? Yeah, I mean, it's so very important. It, science is also so very engaging. And so, for some children, it's the way into the learning. And if we don't have science in our school day, we might not be reaching all of our learners. I'm not saying that's the only way to reach children, you know, but it's one of the ways to reach children. And I think it's so important. The second bullet really talks about what I we were just talking about, Corey, the fact that, you know, science uses and supports uh, students' literacy development all the time because we're speaking, we're reading, we're writing it. But the fact that it does go the other way, that knowledge of science helps students' literacy and language skills development. And when we don't teach science, it's not only bad for science, it's bad for literacy too. So we're really doing our students a disservice when we don't make time for science. So as we move forward, we're gonna try to um, hopefully thinking about and talking about some of these strategies where you might be able to make time for science. And when you think about it as some of these different ways that you might be able to use in addition to the investigations you're gonna do. I guess one of the things before I even move forward into talking about any of the, the next slides is I don't wanna put forth the idea or the misconception 
that reading or writing and speaking and listening only is science. Science is investigating. Science is letting children's curiosity come to the forefront. We're asking them questions, letting them ask questions, and then figuring out students, not us, not us telling them, but letting students figure out through the process of investigating, observing, asking questions, drawing models, sense-making. Um, that's all what science is. And some of the strategies I'm going to share, I think will have, I think I'll talk about where I would see using them within the science instruction. I guess. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. And, and again, you know, it's, it, science really is that integration of all of our reading, writing, speaking, math, everything, it's where it really gets to come together and we get to apply it through our curiosity and um, all our experimentation. So let's start here with speaking and listening. So I just have to tell a little story about this. So I was trying to put the slide together today, right? So I Google student science talk. Imagine my my surprise when this Pinterest board on the left comes up because that's me in a classroom in Vermont having a science talk with a group of fourth graders. Look at you. That is you. I didn't notice that. <laughs> uh, so funny. So totally, I mean, it totally caught me by surprise, but even better. So this is the really good thing. There was a comment on it from Jennifer Gonzalez from Culta Pedagogy, mm -hmm. basically talking about and saying something that I totally believe <clears throat> that the comment actually talked about. I often talk about first draft, first draft writing or first draft reading that talking is. And what Jennifer wrote as a comment on the slide was that, that speaking and listening in science gives them multiple, multiple drafts at thinking. And I love this language, and I'm probably going to steal it from her, that it. it bends and twists. It's so very fluid. So speaking and listening mm -hmm. is so very important in science. And so one of the things just really briefly about here is that there's not just one right way to do it. There's lots of ways, as you can see, that are list listed on the, on, the, on the right side. I'm looking at, I don't know what side you're looking at. I'm looking at the right side. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and the other thing I want to talk about is I net, when we're, as we go through these talk, these talking points and these strategies, I put speaking and listening first. And the reason I put speaking and listening first is science talk is often the piece that gets left out of the science instruction. And science talk is so very important. It's important to elicit students' initial ideas. It's an important for, for them to, as, as Jennifer said, have multiple drafts that they're thinking as they're investigating and it helping them sense make in science. Yeah, and I love that, you know, for those those who are listening in our new format for the Coach Replay Show, the podcast version, uh, what we're showing here on our screen is productive talk circles, small group talks, partner talks, sometimes but not often teacher talks. And these are all structures for that we already use throughout our instruction. So you're really not introducing 
anything new to a teacher. It's just thinking about what if we took that concept of doing this, uh, you know, productive talk circle into science or ensuring do we have enough opportunities for students to talk together about their understanding in science and about their hypotheses and how those are changing and how their 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 thinking is evolving in in those those drafts in that right uh, that way they described and the intent of this as i was thinking was thinking about coaches and teachers out there right now who are just looking for different ways to do things and some of the things that i'm talking about here can be done both online and Mm -hmm. um, in real school, having a productive talk really can happen. You can do it in whole group gallery view and really do it that way. You can also do small groups in breakout, breakout rooms, rooms, whether mm -hmm. it's in Google Meet or, or Zoom. Um, partner talks, you can do that the same way. So it's these things can be done right now under current situations whether you're virtual, totally virtual and remote, whether you're hybrid or whether you're actually in school. Yeah, in yeah, school definitely. The way we'd love to go and love to be, and hopefully we'll beat this virus um, or learn to live with it and find the strategies to make that happen too. Yeah, yeah. And and Kelly Pittman's watching and she said, I like the last bullet, you know, student talk versus teacher talk and thinking about, you know, sometimes it is absolutely appropriate for the teacher to model the thinking and speaking and listening in this. I mean, that might be where you need to begin and then you break out into your breakout rooms and use your partner talk protocols or what you might, whatever you are, again, you already have these protocols and these structures set up. Your students understand how they how to do them. But then thinking about, can I utilize that strategy or that structure in uh, the science conversation? Let's jump ahead to, again, everyone will um, get access to this slide deck and the notes and takeaways. But let's jump ahead to this, uh, this slide here. We think about uh, writing, ELA, science coming together. So... Uh, this slide is an example and uh, from a second grade teacher in Vermont, and this is her science notebook. Um, as you can see, it's a very simple talk. It was paper, you know, three or four pages stapled together. And this is going back a while, but still what she did for it, she put a picture as her anchor phenomena, and she asked kids to think about what was happening there. What questions did they have? So in science, in our science notebooks, there are so many different ways for us to be able to use writing. Um, scientists use writing all the time. They're taking notes. They're observing. Um, the slide, one of the slides that, that Corey switched by, which I asked her to, because it's in your takeaways, are sentence frames that you might use mm -hmm. in a science notebook you know, to help students get started. I think this because I think that um, my thing, my glass is made of metal because of the sound it makes. Um, so I'm making a prediction. Um, we might have things, and that's in the early. So I might be doing that writing before I do an investigation because now I'm making predictions. And then I start investigating things. And then at the final bullet, now I'm really beginning to sense me. So 
giving students frames to help them because as Corey said, the writing, uh, as I was saying, maybe, maybe Corey didn't say it, maybe it was me. Um, <laughs> One of us. <laughs> is that, that kids need models and they need mm -hmm. um, frames and sentence starters to get started. And sentence starters or frames also really help all learners. And, you know, sometimes we think about that, we think about that when we're thinking about our struggling students. But, you know, those visuals, those frames are so important for all students. Mm -hmm. They provide multiple access points for us to jump into the learning. So anyway, this yeah. is from, like I said, a second grade teacher in Vermont. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of um, using sentence stems and thinking stems with students at all grade levels. I used it in my middle school and upper secondary classes. Um, and so I love that you include this, included this example of the, some of the sentence frames as we think about using them in science to frame our thinking and writing. But I also love this example that you chose here for from the second grade teacher. Um, specifically, it's not just the picture there, but in this example, um, in this STEM, the stimulus for their students, the teacher is actually modeling some of that thinking. Um, two kids went to the beach and took this picture. Bill said, wow, that must have taken a long time for the wind and water to carve the holes in that rock. Sam said, I think the rock just looks like that. Wind and water can't change a rock. It isn't strong enough. And then the student has to agree or disagree with one of the students and why. So, I it, it's a model of a notice and a wonder of two students, two kids, as well as that student then thinking about what each argument is and which they would agree with and why. And I think that's a great use of that. You know, now I also think about it as I'm looking at it again and listening to you say this, it's what this is, is it's built off, those of you who are familiar with Paige Keeley in uncovering student ideas, mm -hmm. this is a model, this teacher, has has taken the way Paige has done her probes and applied it in the way that is meaningful for her students at second grade in her curriculum. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I just wanted to give credit where credit's due here, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, let's take a look at another example that you have here. I'm gonna zoom ahead to slide 10 in your slide deck, which is reading uh, in science and reading in ELA, reading is reading. So how do we think about, I love this, close reading in science. So I, I was really thinking about this, you know, and there was a time when I, just before I left the classroom, you know, I was doing close reading with my students. And even when I went to work at the, um, at the State Department in Vermont, um, close reading was definitely in the vogue, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I did a piece a while ago on um, the electrical wizard, Nicholas Te Nic Tesla. Tesla. And um, I, what I did is I took a piece of the uh, text out of the, out of the picture book. Um, and what I did was I actually did a close reading one. But the close reading I did was more, you know, asking and answering questions, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, you know what? I could be doing this in a much more meaningful way so that I actually got something out of it. So I thought about these close reading symbols. And 
to be honest, where I got the, where I saw the first one, I have no idea. But it was from some colleague out s somewhere in my travels. But um, using symbols in real time, we would be doing this, um, you know, with stickies, etc. Um, but you could do this um, in online with a piece of online text that you you've typed forever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And using Google Slides, you could make comments. You could um, put exclamation marks, three or four of them, about right. things that were exciting. Um, I really liked it. Put an E where you think you found some evidence that might support your thinking mm -hmm. or answer one of your questions. Um, this this particular tool is um, included as one of the takeaways mm -hmm. because. I think it's a tool that really could be useful to teachers um, as they're wanting to really understand what their kids are, are, are getting from whether they're reading science text or, or an ELA text. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to yeah. talk a minute about reading again too, just for a minute, because mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about books again here in one second. One of the things I want to say about reading is there are, there are some different theories about this. There are people who really believe that a picture book on its own, when you put it out there, um, can be a phenomena. You know, that can be the actual phenomena. I struggle a bit with this myself um, I, because I think about a phenomena as something, an observable event um, that I can then use my science knowledge to make predictions from. So when I think about using reading in, in classrooms, with students or teachers is I think about it as finding additional evidence, finding support. I've done this investigation. My students have done this investigation. Now I want them to be able to find examples of additional evidence somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing though, to just go back a little bit is using picture books, which um, are, I think are on the next, one of the next slides, but I used to use picture books in my morning meeting, it was just a part of what I did every morning meeting. Um, so that's another thing. So that was one of the ways in Time for Science um, in my own classroom. One of the ways I helped to make Time for Science was we did science activities as part of our morning meeting, whether it was part of the discussion, whether it was me reading a picture book aloud. Um, mm -hmm. One of the, what this is on this slide is it's an example of um, a Padlet that has been created um, for children's books for science. Um, I had full intentions of actually making, there might be a link to this particular one. Mm -hmm. I was thinking I might want to update one and then I'll add it to this takeaway. Um, but this there's some examples here. Um, so picture books, I just love picture books for science. I just totally love picture books for science. And well, I yeah, and I, I you, think you could. And I, and I do think they can be used in multiple ways. I just, mm -hmm. again, I'm just, I what I've often seen, what I have seen recently, not, not too many, is nonfiction text being read to students, basically telling them everything, and that's the science. And that's where right. I struggle with it because I think nonfiction text is critical. And I have yeah. some great examples. I could do a whole nother conversation about that. 
<laughs> we do have we do have you you coming back next next month but i want to go back to this uh previous example that you have with the annotations in the close reading and and really um almost it reminds me a lot of sketch noting and, oh. and being able to add those visual markers beyond and i use this in my classroom especially when i worked with students with disabilities uh, when i taught ela uh I, we always used symbols instead of words because it's a faster way to annotate. And a lot of my students struggled with writing um, and they struggled with spelling. And so this was a way for them to put a check. This makes sense to me. Right. And, Highlight and something. E, yes. Yeah. And so I love that idea. I'm a big fan of using those visuals and annotations for students. And, and I like that this one is modified slightly for science evidence to support my thinking um you know this makes me wonder so these are these are really great and they don't have to be just for science you can use this in lots of different ways and i love what you said there about a lot of times in science we see a lot of um non-fiction being utilized as the text base and as our anchors i love the idea of using fiction and picture books and helping students connect this to their own writing, right. um, seeing how science can make them a better writer if they I, understand those concepts and bring that in there. So I want to shout out to Melissa Stewart right now. She's got mm -hmm. some amazing work she's done on five different types of nonfiction. And I can't really t speak to it here because I would, I wouldn't do it credit because I don't have the information totally in front of me, but it's some nonfiction is being so well written. You can do interactive read alouds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, some of the, really new, the newer expository text that's being created for children has really, it, it has enough of a tone and interest tone where you see the passion of the writer, the author, um, that you can actually do that. Um, and uh, I'm all about having an interactive read aloud with one of these texts. Now, see, again, yeah. I've, I've gone off on another subject. <laughs> so but, many ideas. But yeah. there are so many, there really are so many ideas and so many ways that we can integrate reading, writing, speaking, and listening into science. We yeah. can use them in science so that they also support literacy development. I think when kids are engaged, because they're engaged with the science investigation, they're much more likely to do the writing. And sometimes mm -hmm. we have to do some of those, the writing, the literal writing, the writing that in the notebook, the sentence frame to help those kids mm -hmm. get started. Um, right. So anyway. Yeah, I think it's important. I think, I think it's definitely, uh, all of these are some really simple ways to begin to think about like you said, I really liked how you said, and and Kelly Kelly Pittman is is watching the show and reminding us. Last time you were on, you talked about this shift from learning about to figuring out, and I I see this as as also thinking of that shift from thinking about not how I can um, integrate reading and writing into my science, but science into my reading and writing, uh, thinking about it differently, two sides of the same coin, but sometimes just that perspective shift will make us see more opportunity to in, in incorporate science so, into our daily lessons. So be, 
I don't want you to just take me at my word. And one of the things I've done is I have included in the takeaway um, is a video. It's a video of three education experts um, mm -hmm. who have done the research behind this and the importance of science and literacy. There's Nell Duke, I think there's Oki Lee, and there's Tanya Wright and, um, and her co-author, I can't think of the other person, um, but there's so much more. And I, again, I do wanna shout out a couple of slides that we skimmed over just because of time. One was um, a middle school science notebook, and that's from Jennifer Weibert. And the other one was from um, Leslie Gates, a colleague of mine from California, um, who's doing some amazing work out there. So anyway, yeah. I want to share out, I want to share the wealth. So definitely. Well, and, and such a great takeaway you have for us today. Again, find that on learn.sydney.com. You'll find the link in any of our show notes or in the comments if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter. Um, Kathy, it's always great to have you on to talk a little bit about science and and you make it so practical and always give us a different way to think a little bit about it. And we always appreciate that. So well, I just again. thank you but for the opportunity. But I, I, again, I can't get off without saying it really is important to make time for science in elementary classrooms. So coaches, maybe you can win you could share some of this and help your teachers figure out ways and just try one or two things. Don't try it all at once, obviously mm -hmm. little bites, but right. I really would like to advocate just one more time. Elementary science is a right, not a privilege. So let's make it happen. Preach it on. I love that. I love that. And you have a hashtag on Twitter people can follow. So if you're on Twitter and you're wanting to see more ideas, not just from Kathy, but ideas that she's sharing out and others are sharing, you want to share how you're using some of these ideas today. Your teachers are using this in their classrooms. Um, if you're on Twitter, hashtag time for science, we'd love for you to add some ideas here. If you're watching us on Facebook, share with us here at Sydney. We'd love to see how you're able to take this and share it on your campus. But thanks again, Kathy, for joining us today. Again, always a pleasure. We'll have you back on in November, November 13th to be exact, <laughs> Friday the 13th. That's, I just thought about that. Um, so you'll come back, you'll talk with us a little bit about deepening engagement in science and have some more amazing strategies wow. for us. Along those lines, just one quick, I found this whole new thing on notice and wonder that I'm going to have to bring oh. back on the 13th. Oh, I love it. I love it. We're still, we are using that, the notice and wonder as we are going and doing our uh, walks here, the camp family. <laughs> so that's wonderful. Be Friends, be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the Coach Replay Show on your preferred platform for listening and tuning in. So you always get a reminder when we have things to share with you. Um, and again, thank you so much for watching the Coach Replay Show. See you all next week. Bye, Kathy. Bye-bye.